Token Smart Podcast episode something, 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 whatever. The ship has been commandeered by show, and Trislet and Sandy are tied up and locked away in a basement beneath the Metal Olympics building CV. And you need to be a whip whale to get them out. This next guy I'm about to introduce is not allowed to speak until after I roll out the red carpet for him. He's one of the pillars of our community, literally a beacon of light and insight in the metaverse. The true definition of if you build it, they will come. And just like his Avastar's basketball jersey, he's a true floor general. Calling all the shots, doing all the things. The point God himself in this digital arena. Please welcome to the microphone, the one, the only, Rizzle. Damn, dude. <laughs> that was about as, <laughs> as good as I could have ever hoped for, man. I know you wanted to like roll out the intro and just let it rip. And uh, dude, I'm I'm uh, humbled by that intro and really looking forward to sitting down and talking with you, man. Uh, yeah, what's up, dude? Thank you for welcoming me to my own show. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, 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 this episode, okay, wait, this episode is obviously hosted by me, but this is your, this is your episode, man. This is like your, your special episode and don't be humble, let loose right. for once, Rizzle. Let let loose. <laughs> but, but I'll try, man. That might be my Achilles heel <laughs> more than like something I need to do for once. But dude, I'm I'm ready, man. I'm I've been looking forward to this all week and totally stoked to uh to do the thing. So let's do the thing, man. How how do you want to do this? Uh don't let hey, 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 hey. I, I I got you. I got you. All right. Okay. First off, all right. Yeah. Uh so first off, every superhero has a good origin story. And usually it starts with their name, you know, and yours is a pretty interesting one. So how did you receive the name Rizzle? You know what, dude, only one person has ever asked me that the entire time of my Rizzle name. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. Uh, how did I get the name Rizzle? Uh, dude, I was a dishwasher at a shitty restaurant uh, trying to make some extra money when I was in school. Uh, living in a shitty apartment and I uh, so I was in like grad school and became friends with like a lot of the high school kids and they thought I was cool and decided to dub me Rizzle one day and it just stuck like wildfire and then during the entire course of having that job I sort of had that nickname and uh, it was actually a fun job man I, I just used to be like the guy the old you know, everyone was in high school was working there except for me. Uh, and uh, I was like the old guy in the back and I just cranked the music up and, you know, the high school kids would come back and say, what's up, Rizzle? And give me like free sandwiches and stuff on the down low. And so I uh, didn't have to pay for food. And uh, shout out to my old manager for turning a blind eye. And uh, and that was it, man. And so I don't know, I, I just have used that since then uh, for various screen names in various places, just because I'm not like really creative. And uh, it, it just reminds me of like, uh, I don't know, I guess, I guess my origin part of my origin story before, like I really was in a position like I am now doing something I really love. And uh, I don't know, man, keep, keeps me grounded a little bit. And uh, you know, makes me think of earlier days. 
Yeah, I mean, dude, you got me at free sandwiches. Anyone offers me free sandwiches, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you definitely won me over. Um, I'm, wow, that's interesting. So I, I think uh, I'm actually going to touch on something later on in the episode in regards to you and, and your, um, your personality and um, your character. And I think that dishwashing, oh my God, as a, as a, as a side gig, uh, man, that definitely builds up character. So, um, wow. That's it was, surprising. It wasn't I wasn't man. I, no, <laughs> I applied to like all these great jobs, or in my great jobs, all these like like jobs that I qualified for as like a student with no resume, and like was like, yeah, I, I had been a uh, camp director at a YMCA like overnight camp, which is like one of my favorite jobs in the world. It's actually like very similar to uh, sort of like pushing people around Mid Olympic campus in terms of like organizing these big games and like fun activities and everything. And so I was like, yeah, I got all this like supervisory experience. I should be able to like get at least like some shitty retail supervisory job or like managerial job working like, you know, evening shift or some shit like that. And uh, <laughs> ended up having to take the dishwasher job that was like a mile and a half away. And uh, I don't know, no regrets, man. I, I honestly don't, I, I worked quote unquote better jobs that I had a much shittier experience at. At that job, I was like the cool dishwashing guy named Grizzle. And so that was awesome. So let me get this straight. You you were <laughs> there's like a legit synergy between like 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 us doing field trips in C V and your real life. Like so so basically <laughs> we're, we're like your camp kids. Is that what you're telling me this whole time? We were like that's yeah, I, I guess, man, I'm like so, somehow like uh, not on purposely like reliving my like YMCA Metacamp uh, experience through <laughs> through the Met Olympics and stuff. I don't know. Maybe, man, this is what I, I had a feeling like might happen. You like, get to ask me questions and I start making like all these weird connections in my life. I don't know, man. Maybe. Yes. This whole time I've been trying to like recreate this experience from like previous shitty jobs that I've had, which were actually like only shitty by pay scale and not by like the uh, experience that I had with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we're, we're still gonna, we're, we're gonna continue to go down memory lane. So <laughs> don't worry about that. Right, uh, you, you, met, you, you mentioned previously on um, another Token Smart episode that every time you move somewhere, you're known as the crypto guy. So um, where are you actually from without doxing yourself here? Philly area. I, I've lived like either on the Jersey side or Philly side uh, or Pennsylvania side of Philadelphia for like basically my whole life. Uh, originally born in Chicago, but didn't live there too, too long. So uh, my consider my roots really like in Philly. Uh, yeah, basically lived like a stone's throw away from there uh, forever, forever, forever. Know the area really well. Still have lots of friends that I see periodically uh, from back in the day and everything. Uh, at, at this point, I live a little bit farther outside of the city because fucking real estate is like mad expensive near the city. And now I got a family and can it, don't need like the nightlife and like all the stuff to do every time. I got a, enough stuff to do making pb and j's like 24 7 uh so decided to get a a place for uh, a little bit cheaper outside of the city you get a little bit more for your buck uh that way so but still still consider myself a philly person oh that's cool i mean hey shout out to the east coast you know yeah. I'm, a, I'm like an hour hour and a half away from you whatever <laughs> that's cool well, I mean, well, well, from there, Dude, actually. the hangout session is going to happen. I, I keep talking to people. I know Frankie Needles is like out there, not too, too far away. You and him might be closer than uh, you and I are. But 
uh i don't know i know nft nyc is coming up in september it's it's happening man we're all gonna get together one of these days <laughs> that's cool um there's still like this interesting air of mystery to you though and many people have said this to me in the past like they've dm me and they want to know more about you and i couldn't provide the info so hopefully they can listen to this and kind of get it directly from you um i think you do it on purpose though you know um do you look anything like your avastar no not even no. like a little bit like my avastar. well i mean who's got like a zeus beard and wears like a fireman hat and like you know who got a silver grill and like a yellow eyeball and everything uh no i don't know i don't look anything like my avastar uh jim actually like when i got hired with nft42 he was like sitting on a couple like really og avastars and uh wanted to like you know i guess sort of like knight me into nft 42 by giving me an avastar and so i just picked the coolest one and that was the one uh that was by far the coolest one um so no that's it i i i wish i did a lot of times <laughs> i don't know how the i'm already the weird crypto guy though man if i started walking around <laughs> you know looking like my avastar uh i, I, don't, I don't even blend in very well in the first place so <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> Uh, was it a natural transition into the crypto space from um, homegrown influences growing up? Or did you just see something new and cool and you figured that you give it a shot? Oh, dude, this this is a, a whole story, a whole podcast in itself, man. No, this is I, what we're here for. <laughs> dude, I was I was broke as fuck, man. I, I quit my job uh, sort of not like spontaneously it was like well thought out but i like basically quit a job that i really liked because i felt like i was getting taken advantage of uh and uh with no backup plan and so i was like scrambling for a while until i i stumbled upon a few different things but one of those things was uh just like grinding like i don't know if uh, anybody out there is familiar with like the subreddit r beer money uh, but that was one of these places that I stumbled on just to like literally grind like cents and pennies from like various online platforms. And uh, I, I had like a couple old cell phones that I figured out that you can start running advertisements on them 24 seven and you can make like, you know, a dollar's worth of crypto or, or something like that. And so I literally had like sort of this like uh, electronic farm operation that wasn't like technically mining crypto in like the traditional sense, but was sort of from like these platforms. Uh, and then I realized like, you know, I was never going to really like do anything big with the, you know, $12 and 45 cents for the crypto that I finally grinded. Um, and so, uh, I started tinkering around with exchanges and uh you know realizing very quickly that if i wanted to try and make something out of this space the the game was flipping crypto you know against different cryptos and shit coins and like all this stuff and just like really really got obsessed with it man and and that's like one of the i i feel like my most positive and probably my most negative traits as well is that like when i really dive deep into something i like really get obsessed with things and that was sort of like my entry point to the rabbit hole, like way back in the day, man, like 2000 in crypto days, 2012 ish or whatever. And then, you know, 
like anyone knows who is like had even small amounts of crypto back then like you know a small amount of crypto back then is a lot more now and just started like educating myself on the space and everything and i i hated 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 a lot of like the crypto communities in general i felt like they were shitty and toxic and shilly and just full of like scammers and spammers and people trying to like rug you and you know i was pretty active on like bitcoin talk uh for a while there which uh you know was a forum that dominated a lot of the crypto space and i'm sure it's still active but i don't hear anyone talk about it uh at all anymore and uh you know so i eventually found my way onto scent which was really my foray into the ethereum community which I still really like, to be honest. Uh, but it f felt more like uh, a community. And then, like, I, I just happened to stumble upon Scent during, like, the big NFT, like, uh, I, I wouldn't say heyday. We're probably in the heyday now. But sort of like the NFT, like, come up of, you know, 2018 when it started really becoming a thing. And we got to sort of watch this whole like space sort of unfolding in front of us. And that was really when a lot of creators started flooding the space. Like all of a sudden we're seeing like all these, you know, artists and musicians and, uh, you know, creative people that aren't necessarily in it just to like, you know, make money or rug some people or anything. And I, that's when I really felt like I found my like home within the crypto space or whatever. So it, it's sort of been like, a passion and an interest of mine for a long time, but this is when it like all really sort of crystallized. And I, I felt like I could somehow make a go of like doing full-time crypto stuff in some capacity. And you wanted to save all that for a totally different episode on token smart. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was awesome. That was great. Um, Thank you, man. Oh, dude, I I could go deeper into that, man. It, it, it was so wild, like back then, with the uh, like the the wild west of crypto and all these different ways and that you could like earn again, man, like fractions of a pennies of Bitcoin, which you know you could flip for Litecoin on BTC dash E and and like one other shitty coin, and uh, you know the the early early days. Um, but yeah, man, it all started when I was just broke as fuck and they walked out of a job and like had an old cell phone that I figured I could make more money on it running advertisements than I could like, you know, selling it at a pawn shop or something. Speaking of um, old jobs, I mentioned in a previous podcast episode that our rapport is one where you communicate things to me in a way where I don't feel like you're attempting to throw your weight around or minimize me in any way. And uh, does this have something to do with your own personal past experiences in the workforce, like as a dishwasher or any other job that you really fucking hate it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, probably, man. Uh, I, I didn't leave like uh, the traditional like workforce under like great terms. I sort of had like a fuck this, I'm out of here moment. Um, and you know, honestly, again, man, the dishwashing job, the camp job, like these were only shitty, like monetarily. I actually had like met some of the greatest people and had some of the greatest experiences, uh, in my career in those positions. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, I, we can get into why that is, uh, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure, but, 
Uh, yeah, man. So my, my last like quote unquote traditional job, I was, uh, running a homeless shelter in Camden, New Jersey. And, uh, when I had was sort of given that role, the place was just fucking down and out, man. It was like, it was a Mm. disaster. And, uh, put a lot of my like time and effort and love into building that place up, built up an incredible team of people. And, you know, over the course of a couple of years, like really turned the place around to the, to the point that, you know, uh, a lot of the, uh, it was a kid's shelter. And so like a lot of the, I say kids, like, you know, up to 18 years old, some of these kids were like grown men, like bigger than me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Anyway, so, you know, to, it was it was a good vibe, man. By by the time I uh, checked out of that place, to the point where like you know some of these kids would get bounced around to other places, or you know go from like a the shelter to like a temporary housing situation, and you know for one reason or another it wouldn't work out, and so they'd need to go to another shelter or come back or whatever. We'd be getting calls like from uh, you know kids we'd worked with wanting to come back, needing a place to go, and uh, you know was felt like really good about the job that we had collectively done over there and felt totally like alienated from like the parent company in terms of support and like trying to uh, or wanting to allow us to continue to grow and take it a step farther. And I, I couldn't really figure out why, man. I, and I, I got like really like disenfranchised. Uh, you know, I wasn't, nobody like does jobs like that to like get rich or make a lot of money. Uh, but I had felt like I had proven myself and still feel like this, to be honest with you, <laughs> felt like I had proven myself to be like a rising star within the company. And I was like, you know, now is the time I've shown you what I can do. Now's the time to like, you know, throw some of your weight behind the big up and comers in your business. And, uh, you know, I was like, uh, trying to do the math now, I don't know. 25 26 27 something around there or whatever so i had like you know potentially like a really long shiny career with them up and coming and got like really snubbed when it came around to like my yearly uh evaluation or whatever not only like financially i could have like almost eaten that but i got like fucked around with on like the meeting time and then like got an email basically saying they like couldn't do anything for me and it was like sort of like the final straw in a series of like uh, appeals to just sort of, you know, show them what we had doing and show them how great our team was and everything. And I don't know, man, it, it, I think about it a lot, to be honest with you. I don't know if it was like the best way or if it was the right way to leave things. I sort of like low key, uh, not even on purpose, man. I didn't mean to like start a revolt, but like my like right hand man, also quit alongside of me. I was like, dude, I, I think I'm just going to bail on this thing. And he's like, fuck this man i'm out of here too if you're leaving I'm like oh shit <laughs> uh, so so i don't know man the, and the the place uh you know it didn't like it it did sort of go downhill man and and i knew that was going to happen and that's like what really like pains me the most about the whole situation is i felt like I've really had a lot to contribute. Things were like really on the upswing. And I also felt like I, I could see like the future ahead of me. I was like, shit, man, I'm, I'm not appreciated for what I'm doing here. I know I'm capable of so much more. And if I don't make a move now, I'm going to be like every other fucking employee for this nonprofit who's been there for 15 years, still doing like the exact same thing they've been doing. And they're just pigeonholed, uh, you know, in their jobs. And 
I just felt like I, I had shown that I brought like so much more to the table. So that was like my like, fuck this, I'm out of here moment. But also like to my long, long winded, this, I'm taking advantage of this being like the, the spotlight on me, man. I'm just talking. Um, this was my, my long, long winded way of saying like, yes, man, that, that whole experience like really affected me because I feel like, you know, I really deserved to be recognized for the effort that I was putting forth. And I, you know, wanted to make sure that, you know, I, I had been in supervisory roles before that and try to make shit fun, man. Like people, no one, no one like really, really wants to work for somebody else unless like it's a good like environment that you want to be in. And I also feel like everyone I've worked for and everyone I worked with like does their best work if they are feeling appreciated and having fun. And, and that's really like how you get the best out of people. And I don't know, man, maybe this is like tying it all together. Maybe that's why I look back so fondly on like the, the rizzle days of like dishwashing at this like shitty restaurant, because it was way more about like the personal relationships and just fucking around and having fun. And, and we did a good job. I mean, dishes were fucking clean, man. The greatest dishwasher <laughs> that restaurant has ever seen. Oh, um, I bet. I bet. <laughs> because it was fun, though. You, you know what I mean? And, and so that's, you know, I, I always, you know, think back on stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, if I get the opportunity to recreate like those types of environments, I don't want to be like the dick. Uh, I, I'd rather like, you know, get being, being the fun guy and like trying to show appreciation to people also like has inevitably like allowed me to wade into territory where people sort of feel like they can like take advantage of me or like get away with things because uh you know maybe i'm viewed as not being as serious or like methodical or organized just because i'm i'm like a little bit more lax uh on a lot of things but i try and stay big picture man i, I try to not like sweat the small stuff in life and in job and everything and i, I feel like as long as you got a bunch of people committed to the big picture then uh, what, are, what are we all trying to kill ourselves for? Like, you know, if, if we can have fun, just want to have fun, man. <laughs> yeah, likewise. And you know something really funny when you were talking about your experience at um, of running a homeless shelter, I kept I just kept thinking, I was like, wait, I've seen this 90s TV show before. Like, I've seen this movie or I've read this pilot script somewhere like. Like I know this story and like, like uh, um everything from you talking about like um it, it was still being run down and you're trying to like start a revolt. Well, you weren't trying to start a revolt <laughs> and like and your friend, your friend, um like like your right hand man is like up and out of there. Like I've I've read this before, like I watched this, but that's that just says a lot about your previous experience that this is I mean, you you can't make this shit up, you know? No, so, man. Oh dude, I got stories from uh, that I mean anything in if you're familiar with like camden new jersey man i worked there for like a number of years in like alternative to a car incarceration programs and running this uh youth shelter and everything and dude it's time there is like time in the metaverse man so so, so much shit happens over the course of a week it's just like you know so many stories emerge and everything shit moves fast um yeah, dude. I, I mean, I've sometimes I think back about like how I ended up here, man. And and I don't know, man, anyone wants to produce the Netflix version, get show in there with me as an actor. <laughs> hey, uh, so speaking of rising stars and leadership, you're a co-founder of NFT42, correct? Yeah, correct. And and I'm sure everyone else would like to know the how, when and where you met Jim. So 
how, when, and where did you two meet? Oh, dude. <laughs> I actually just rehashed this story with Jim the other day. It's almost been like a year on the nose right now. Um, so Jim uh, publicly stuck his foot in his mouth tremendously, like maybe about a year ago, maybe a little bit more than that at this point. And uh, with trying to talk, talk about what is art and, and, you know, talking about trash art and everyone got all pissed off at him and he was just making waves and people on both sides of the coin talking about like anything can be art and like, you know, Jim talking about how low effort art shouldn't be considered art and, be, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. Anyway, so I was doing this, the podcast that I still do with Matt and, you know, we were sort of like watching from the sidelines, like what the hell is going on? And I was sort of like, dude, let's just like lean into this, man. Let's get this dude on the podcast and see like what his deal is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all the talk right now. So let's just get the dude who's creating the most waves here to talk. And, uh, and so Jim hopped on the podcast with us and we had like a great time. We like connected immediately. And uh, Jim reminds me of like a couple people that I grew up with who, uh, you know, sort of like talk first, think later sometimes, or or just like shoot right from the cuff. And sometimes it gets them in trouble and they don't actually like mean any harm. You're just sort of like, ah, oh, Jim is doing his Jim thing again. Just Jim, <laughs> chill. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he doesn't mean any, anything bad by it. Jim's just talking. Yeah, um, and so, so we hit it off and then uh, ended up me. So we, d- we recorded the podcast and it was a great episode and uh ended up meeting up in person at nft nyc last year uh again almost a year ago like on the nose and uh jim like famously stood up in the middle of like the nike nft presentation and just (laughs) started yelling at the presenters about how this is like bad for the nft space and everything and uh, and I was sitting like one row in front of Jim, and Jim's in like mid like diatribe at this conference. And, and oh, dude, it's so funny. It's, there's actually a video of it out there that you can pull, and you can hear it. Jim's not on the mic, so it's quiet. And in the background, you got to turn the volume way up, but you can hear the announcer getting flustered. He's like, "Jim, Jim, calm down. We'll address your concerns, or whatever." So, so, so Jim's just laying into this dude. <laughs> Go ahead, someone, man. Uh, someone needs to link that, by the way, at EZ's, um listening party. Just if you can, try to find that and post it so everybody can watch it after we listen to the episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I can find it. Um, so Jim's just laying into this poor dude who is like clearly not prepared for this, um, and like you know grilling him, uh, which he's also clearly not prepared for. So anyway, I I get up actually, and I Jim's sitting by himself, one row behind us, and I sit right behind Jim and I get in Jim air, Jim's ear and I'm like, dude, yes, this is fucking bullshit, man. This is exactly like what Disney tries to do. They just come in here, try to put all these patents on this shit without knowing like anything what they're doing. And Jim's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so Jim and I just sort of like, again, like, you know, hit it off right there. And uh, we're sort of talking about that for a while afterwards. Uh, and he actually went back to his hotel room afterwards and launched this like, long diatribe on scent about how like (laughs) shitty the conference was and how stupid like all this shit was and i laughed at him and i was like dude what are you doing man get out of your hotel room and come have some beers with us and uh and ever since then man i i've uh i honestly it was sort of like 
a telling moment for me again man I, I grew up with people like jim who just sort of like shoot straight from the hip uh I, it was also like a moment for me where i was like jim like really really cares about nfts like and like an abnormally amount like cares about nfts like to the point where he's just willing to like make a spectacle of himself in the middle of a conference in front of like a whole bunch of important people types about caring about nfts and i was like this is the dude i want to align myself with like regardless like we can we can figure out like the pr stuff and like get him to you know stop you know think first before sticking his foot in his mouth but uh i i really believed in like jim's vision uh back then which has sort of like come to fruition of you know people largely weren't caring or weren't aware of like where the metadata for their nfts was being stored and when they figure out that it's actually not on the blockchain you know people are like you know what the fuck and uh and i I believe that he was right because I had the same line of thinking when I figured that out. Jim was just like a year and a half ahead of me and, you know, neck deep in Avastars at, at that point. So, um, so that, so Jim and I just sort of hit it off. Uh, you know, I feel like we're sort of kindred spirits in the sense that we have giant egos and like to shoot from the hip. But, uh, I also think he's like a genuinely good dude. And, uh, I, I also, tend to trust people like Jim who have no filter because I feel like for better or for worse, like I know where I stand with people like that. And I greatly prefer that to like having to read between the lines or, or anything like that. I'm like, let's just, let's cut straight to the chase and deal with the shit so we can like, you know, move forward or whatever. And he's very much like no bullshit like that, which I, which I like. Right. I agree. Um, I mean, we, ob we obviously know that um, ego doesn't get things done in the space. It's passion, you know. So if that passion burns brightly, that is the thing that will light the way for everyone. I like that, you, done, you know, it's. I mean, it's it's the truth though. So um, shout out to Jim. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of passion, NFT forty two has accomplished so much in such a short period of time. Uh, did the roadmap always consist of everything that's currently happening or did things get added over time? Like, um, <laughs> the, the, you're going to expose I, us. <laughs> obviously, the homeless shelter template comes into play here, right? Like you running a homeless shelter and if you build it, they will come, you know, like this, this is this is here, right? Oh, sure. you, you, yeah. See the synergy, right? I'm not exposing anything. This You just talked about it. Uh, well, no, not exposing that, just exposing, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess, man, uh, it's funny, man, I was just having this conversation with Jim the other day, too, and, and I was talking about how, like, you know, I, I feel like I actually do my best work when I have, like, a chip on my shoulder, like, when I'm, and I don't, it's probably, like, not a healthy way to, like, get into your best mode or, or whatnot, but uh, I, it definitely like lights the fire in me. And that's honestly how like a lot of these NFT 42 projects have sprung up. People have said to us or said to Jim, uh, that's not possible, or I don't think you can do that. And Jim's sort of like, yes, the fuck we can <laughs> like watch us, um, which is ha basically how infinity tokens was born uh, in the first place. Someone was like, you know, you can't build a marketplace or a minting platform where you put everything on chain. And, uh, Jim had hit me up and he was like, this conversation really pissed me off. So I told them that we were going to build one and like rub it in their face, basically. Uh, except we didn't do the rubbing it in their face part. We, now we've migrated towards just like, you know, nonchalantly flexing and letting people figure it out for themselves. 
Um, but uh, so so I think Jim's like sort of in the same boat in terms of like, you know, he, he likes to prove people wrong and likes to figure out uh, what people think we can't do and, and work from that point. And, uh, you know, at that point in time, uh, when people, uh, I don't think Mintbase had started putting anything on chain yet. I, I don't think anyone had when we first like started diving into that. And a few people actually like beat us to the punch once they knew we were unrolling that uh, concept or whatever. But uh, that's that's sort of like how everything has hatched with under NF NFT 42. It's like, you know, let's continue to push the space forward. Uh, fortunately, you know, Jim actually has had a successful company prior to this. So we're not like desperate, desperate to just like, you know, crank out a product and like, you know, eat and run in terms of like, you know, sell the farm and, you know, just try to like make a buck or whatever. He like, uh, he's like an OG cat breeder. Like that's how, <laughs> how NFT 42, like truly, truly probably hatched is Jim needed a better way to fucking breed cats. And <laughs> <laughs> wanted to build a better system for everybody to be able to breed cats and it's obviously like way beyond that and crypto kitties does a great job and and we don't uh have our hands in that project specifically but uh yeah it's just uh it's just sort of been like a lot of the things man that you've been involved in with us too like stream of consciousness uh this works this seems like people are, are responding well to this how, how do we keep taking it one step farther and staying in front of everybody else uh, just for clarity's sake, I just want you to double down on this right here. You're not saying that NFT42 and its uh, initiatives are all reactionary, correct? Just you're, some things you're doing in reaction to people challenging you, but many things are birthed from you and your ideas, correct? Uh, yes. Dude, I can't even uh, take credit for a lot of the ideas. A lot of the token smart ideas have been largely mine the the metal olympics uh whip coin like a few of these things were like largely my concepts or things that i came up with but when it comes to nft 42 man i feel very very lucky to have gotten on this rocket ship you know basically on i don't even know what i you know my talent of like running my mouth i guess and just like coming up with like you know ideas that people like for community stuff uh because honestly when it comes to like the technical aspect I know enough about the space to, you know, have had Jim on the podcast, see Avastars, realize that this is like a really smart product that was like way ahead of its time. And yes, that was ab absolutely like preconceived by, actually, I can't say that for sure. Maybe someone said Jim couldn't do that too. And then that's how that was all launched. I, I, I can't honestly say, uh, but a lot of foresight, once, once we see the path forward, a lot of like planning and foresight does go into launching these projects and uh you know things that we've got going on uh but in terms of like how to, how we lay the groundwork a, a lot of it is sort of like you know just taking the pulse of the space you know we're, we're all we're all everywhere in the space at all times and so you know definitely feel like we have our finger on the pulse and know what direction things are heading in um so no man but but these guys are like the visionaries that make it happen on like the uh tech end of things in terms of like jim nate trislet uh gareth cliff in terms of building avastars out like i i can i have like ideas but in terms of like implementation man that that's 
definitely uh i don't know i got good like scavenger hunt ideas and shit you know <laughs> <laughs> you you have good um, overnight camp counselor ideas though no. yeah man right 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 <laughs> um speak you uh, and in, in terms of uh paths and laying the groundwork and roadmaps the growth and popularity of the whip is unprecedented um we know that it's Matthew's brainchild and started on scent and grew into this beast of a thing. Uh, so Rizzle, give us the how, when, and where you met Matthew and how the hell did you bring this beast of a thing to life? Oh, dude. Uh, I, my history with Matt is actually somewhat similar to Jim. I, I sort of just harassed Matt for a while and then got in cahoots with him um, after meeting him and thinking he was cool. Uh, I, I was like a, I was, I was like a power user on scent uh scent 1.0 when it was wait wait, wait hold, hold hold on sorry wait what's yeah. what's a power user for everyone listening i mean i mean i mean on scent i mean uh, we so, know in general, but. so scent used to be gamified to where like you could essentially bet on posts that would gain traction and make like a little bit of money and so when i was you know, still hustling like some crypto a little bit to do some flipping on the side and everything. Uh, I stumbled upon scent before I like gave a shit about the community and was like, all right, I can, I can like rock this gamified feature about scent. And I, I think I fucked up their platform, man. They, I, I like <laughs> log jammed their shit for like a year, basically like dominating every aspect of like the leaderboard and like no one could surpass me. And like, I know it like annoyed a lot of people. Uh, but at that point I was like, you know what, I think I can like log jam this site enough to like get some attention on myself and like, you know, maybe make a push of doing something more serious in this crypto space. If I am like, you know, have basically made myself totally unavoidable on this site. Uh, and so I ended up doing the, so Matt was doing a podcast on his own there for a while, just sort of doing like spotlights on different users and, I was sort of like unavoidable. I think at some point someone was like, uh, you better interview Rizzle at some point. Like people are wondering like who the fuck this dude is. That's just like, you know, run the game here. Um, so he interviewed me and then actually very similar to this. I was like, dude, let's, let's switch it up and let me interview you one of these times. And so I interviewed Matt and then, uh, just hatched the idea of doing this podcast together for a little while. So, Matt and I had been in cahoots for a long time uh, prior to the whip, just doing a podcast, which at that time was like largely about the content on scent, like what was going on uh, actually in a very similar way to what the token smart podcast is to token smart. Now it's sort of largely talking about like in-house stuff and uh, you know, what cool community things are going on uh, before it sort of turned into its current format, which is basically we just like interview projects and stuff, uh, which is cool. So Matt launched the whip. Uh, I thought it was stupid. Honestly, I didn't get it. I was like, this is, this is dumb, man. Like, why do I, why do I want to show up to something that is just a handful of people shilling their stuff that I already know about anyway. Um, and so I like, I didn't like boycott, but I didn't make it a priority to get to the first like few of them. And, uh, you know, and then and actually signed on with Jim, and uh, Jim was like, "Why don't Why don't we go check this shit out one of these times and just see what's going on?" And you know, maybe we should we should be there now, shilling Avastars or whatever. If this is just like a shill fest or something, uh, and 
so then it just sort of like started so we showed up one week and then i, I was tinkering around with the voice thing and I, I think matt has made reference to that in a couple of different podcasts about how like that's when it sort of crystallized for him uh in terms of like you know maybe this could be like an ongoing speaker circuit type of thing uh and so yeah man as it turns out lots of people like to show up for these shill fests <laughs> and i was totally wrong um but that was that was never really like why i like wanted to get involved in it in the first place and it probably shows through man like you know i i'm paying attention to the presentations but i'm also like running my mouth and talking making jokes in all caps in the chat box so like i'm i'm like a fucking back of the classroom like i'm like that annoying dude in the back of the class that like needs to be reminded to like keep it down uh that's that's my deal man and and i and i sort of i always i like the whip because of like the weirdness of it and the the wackiness of like attempting to pull this off like stuffing dragonate in a box to like solve audio problems like all this shit was just like so funny to me and and then we started layering on the things to it that i personally like more than a lot of the meat of the whip itself like the you know the musical stuff in the beginning the fun shit afterwards like the the giveaways like the the goofy banter and everything and all of a sudden it started really feeling like this great like well-rounded event for me and uh and i still get to do like the back of the classroom type of stuff um so so i don't know man i i never like really uh it, it was definitely matt's brainchild it is definitely not something i would have ever like come up with or started doing on my own uh but uh i do feel like matt and i are a good team in the sense of like you know we bring uh, a different flavor to that in the same way that we have with the podcast and everything and uh it's one one of the reasons why i, I feel great about working with him is because he sees things in a different light than i do and i, I think vice versa right i mean i totally agree uh, shout out to matthew by the way um oh, yeah. Yeah, this is, again, another example of where uh, passion beats out ego in terms of getting things done in the space. And um, yeah, I mean, that passion convinces people to really uh, take a second look at certain things and make things happen, you know. So that's where we're super grateful that that happened, because now we have this awesome this awesome thing on Thursdays, you know, and by the way, like you still, you're still the dude, like even when the event's going on, you're still talking shit, like causing <laughs> trouble, like, like, dude, you run the event. Rizzo, <laughs> stop, stop like doing shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know I probably do, man. I know I've actually thought about that uh, a couple times. I'm like, this is probably like, especially as we're like, you know, trying to monetize these things eventually and gaining sponsors and like all this shit. I'm like, there's probably people hopping in right now who are like, what the fuck is going on? This is like so unprofessional. Uh, but I, I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I've, it, it's a tough rub because I, I feel like. Don't change part it. Of, don't change it. Don't change. No, I know, man. That's, that's, and that's sort of like what I've always lent to. And actually, uh, going back to, again, like what some, something Jim had said, I think during that first podcast that, uh, we recorded with Matt really like resonated with me was you saying something to the effect of like, you know, at, at this point in his career, he really just wants to do something that allows him to be his authentic self. And, uh, you know, everything else is sort of like, let the chips fall where they may not like entirely, everything's like calculated. And, you know, we certainly have a plan and everything, but uh, above and beyond that, 
uh, always seemed like sort of a pledge to authenticity. And I, I you know, I feel like my behavior, for, for lack of a better word, probably does put off some people. But at, at the end of the day, I feel like more people gravitate towards authenticity than are turned off by it. Uh, in a lot of the way, same ways, like honestly, you uh, toe the line very similarly, man, with uh, how you approach the afties and everything. And I, I think, you know, probably have the same type of effect on people where it's not necessarily everyone's bag. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, I do feel like you're, what you do is enhanced greatly by allowing your personality to show through it. And it, it just, even if people aren't digging the vibe, they do in the sense that like, they know it's like some real shit. It's not like some pre meditated, like, you know, nicely packaged corporate, you know, McDonald's bullshit. Like this is like the raw shit it's going on right now in real time. And I, I feel like that's, that's the vibe, man. I, I, I like being surrounded by that vibe and I like, uh, encouraging that vibe in others. And I, I feel fortunate that that's Jim's mantra as well, because I feel like that's given me the freedom to sort of like flex my personality for, for better or for worse. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm going to support that <laughs> because you're yeah, talking you about me. Man. You better <laughs> jump on that one. about <laughs> <laughs> me, But again, this episode is about you. And, <laughs> and, and, and mostly, again, I'm just going to say this um, on, uh, again, that like uh, uh, you don't have to change that because that's what adds to this thing that that's been built, you know, um, that you, you, can, you don't want to conform to someone else's you know, vision of what they think the whip is like, you have to really show them what's in your mind's eye, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, please keep, keep causing trouble talking shit <laughs> and, and doing all that um, in um, the channel. Uh, was the whip originally supposed to be a large team of people organizing it? Or was it supposed to be a small few? Cause truth be told, I felt like once I was brought on, there was a conscious decision to expand our crew. Yeah, it was becoming unsustainable, honestly. Like we we there there was never and still isn't, man. And and I, maybe there should be, but I think also what's allowed the whip to sort of evolve into its current state is that there really wasn't like a grand vision like we're going to try and get this to this point. Uh now that we're at this point, you know, and we've had a lot of people chime in, you know, we can sort of see some paths forward to continue to grow it, but Literally in the beginning, it was just like, you know, oh, this worked. Let's try this. This worked. Let's try this. And then it it just got to the point where we were like, shit, we're not making any money doing this. And this is like basically becoming full time jobs for both of us. Uh, and that actually coincided with us getting the grant from Whale Shark. Uh, and so I, I who knows what other projects did with their whale grants or whatever. But we were immediately like let's use some of this whale grant to like offload some of our current responsibilities and we can like you know throw a little something at like actually up until that point easy had been like a very gracious volunteer just like helping us because we were totally buried and we would kick him like a couple wearables in exchange for distributing wearables for everyone on our guest list and just sort of um you know, it was it was even more rough back then uh, before we brought you on. But no, once once we got that, we were like, OK, we, you know, we can at least, you know, I, I wouldn't consider 
no, no one on the whip crew is getting rich by any stretch of the imagination, but it was like enough to throw some of our super fans and people in the community who are already helping out a little something for their efforts and uh, take a few things off Matt's plate because uh, all of a sudden, you know, people were interested in, you know, getting different projects on and that requires like, you know, multiple conversations and, you know, are we going to start taking sponsors and, you know, those require multiple conversations. And so, uh, and then, you know, you had approached us with an idea, you know, that you actually hatched that, uh, shout out to you, man, because, uh, you came to us, which other people had done as well. And with just different ideas of how to make this a more like, well-rounded experience and everything and then matt and i would just look at each other and be like uh i don't have time to do that do you have time to do that and uh like uh let's see if show will do it let's let's see if uh, anyone anybody um and fortunately we just got like a really dope crew of people who i think i think i like to think are having a good time and just like to be involved in the thing with us uh i i do truly believe that the whip is not showing any signs of slowing down and will continue to grow and evolve. And, you know, the people who have been with us from the beginning, uh, you know, will certainly continue to have a role in it moving forward. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we're all on like whip Island at some point. Um, but, uh, no, man, I, I, I sort of got lost track of the question rambling there, man. It, it's just sort of been like a natural evolution. No, um, no, you, uh, you were actually spot on. And shout out to Easy because I do believe that he was, um, I believe he was the first person that I saw talk about it on Scent, maybe, or maybe at another event in Crypto Voxels, and then I explored it, something like that. But shout out, shout out to the bro. He already knows. I actually shout out to everybody um, who is a Whip Crew member. You know, I love each and every single one of you. Um, what's been your favorite Whip event of all time? Oh shit, that's a hard one. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It is, man. Um, a, a lot of the ones that are the most memorable to me uh, are like the the weirdest uh, or like the mishap ones. Oh, dude, the when I sent everybody backwards on the race uh, in the Metal Olympics, I think I fucking <laughs> sweat through my shirt. Uh, but like, you know, in, in retrospect that, you know, I still laugh about that, um, you know, by myself sometimes my wife's like, what the hell are you laughing at? It's just like, you know, I don't know. I don't even know why I'm still laughing about this shit. Uh, I don't know if Frankie needles boot. I've referenced that so many times. I don't think anyone thinks that's funny anymore. I still crack up about his fucking boot that he couldn't get on. Right. That was like, you know, whipping around his head. Uh, he's got a gif of it somewhere. Uh, I don't know, man. There's there's just been so many funny like community moments. Uh, I I honestly had a great time. Uh, again, man, maybe channeling my inner camp director. The Pranksyland tours I think were like really really fun. It was really cool to just like sort of go on these field trips and see what everyone's building and has built, uh, and just sort of like fly around and crash into things with people. Um, the Met Olympics was really fun, man. The, the Met Olympics was also like stressful in the sense that like I didn't get to participate as much as like pray for it to like all start and finish with nothing like totally going off the rails. And I, I do feel like we accomplished that. 
Um, but uh, what my my favorite one of those is definitely got to be with the when the Crypto Kitties just like littered all over the the campus and everything. Um, I couldn't I find know. any of it, man. I couldn't find the, the special <laughs> ones. I was I was pissed. <laughs> Dude, I love that we totally trashed the place. You know, I, I love that there's work to be done in order to like get Metalympic campus back to its like former state before it had like, you know, shrimp and axes and cats like, you know, all over the damn place. Um I don't know, man. I, I just, I, I honestly and genuinely have a lot of fun at all the events. And I, I literally carry guilt around with me on like a regular basis that I can't be at all the things because there's just too much going on, man. There's just not enough time in the day. I mean, I know you know how it is. Uh, you know, it's just now it just seems like there's 24 seven like dope stuff going on. And I actually have to make like a conscious effort, you know, at the quote unquote end of my workday, you know, I have to try and sort of draw some lines to have a quote unquote end of the workday. So I can just like eat and do like daily life shit because otherwise I get like really sucked into these events and I enjoy like, you know, when, when these, when discord is hopping, searching for like stupid dancing gifts to like, you know, chime into the, rolling dance fest or whatever that's going on and i i really really enjoy like you know 99 i can't even think of one that i didn't uh you know even some of these ones that are like really really boring uh or like go off the rails or like you know have some sort of like horrible tech mishap or whatever i the crew that we work with including yourself, man, just has a great attitude and can always like make a joke about it. And I feel like, you know, I'm just so fortunate to be in a situation where like almost nothing bad can happen to the extent that like, we can't just like try again tomorrow and everything will be fine and no, no one will sweat it, you know? Yeah, I feel you. Um, how did the concept of tokenized moments come about? Uh, I think I can take credit for that. Uh, well, no, I, I can't take credit for that. I think I can take credit for stealing that idea from NBA Top Shot and applying it to the whip. Um, <laughs> so that's basically where that uh, came from. Shout out NBA Top Shot. I'm a big fan of NBA Top Shot and that whole team legit. Um, but, you know, I, I felt like, you know, we could sort of do the same type of thing, right? Like these are uh, experiences that are, otherwise like really unquantifiable in terms of like being able to purchase them uh, and and we didn't want to like get into the situation where we're like charging for like tickets or anything and so we, in coming up with the concept of you know having a currency for the whip you know we wanted to have something on the other end of the currency so it wasn't just like some junk coin that we were distributing and so that that was rolled into that whole concept it was like okay if we're going to distribute our own which totally got fucked up by the gas prices. But uh, the whole idea was if we're going to distribute our own currency to our own people who are showing up to our event, let's give them this so that they can easily redeem it for like event memorabilia. And then if other people wanted to like adopt our currency to use it for other stuff, then, then that would be cool. And so, uh, so that was that, man. It was literally supposed to be like almost an exchange. Like we give everybody whip coin, we release whip moments, and then they have like something, you know, directly applicable to the currency 
to redeem it. And, you know, that way everyone could get, you know, all the people who aren't quote unquote earned these moments by actually coming to our events and collecting the currency, uh, they, they would then be put in the right hands from people who had been at our events and everything. Now it costs like fucking a hundred bucks or something to get a moment. And I'm like, dude, I like these things too, but I was there. I'll, I'll wait till gas comes down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's I got my po-op actually fucking po-ops like really like basically took our concept simplified it and made it free like way after we had like you know figured out all the inner workings of how this like you know whipsy smart contract is going to work and setting up the open sea storefront and getting paradox in the house to like help us create these moments and then Poops came around being like free and simple, <laughs> basically for the exact same thing. You're like, ah, oh, shit. No, no. I mean, like, it's uh, there, there, there's some differences there in terms of um intricacy. You know, um, there, there, there's, there's, there's inher- inherent value in um a whip moment. You know, that's different than a poop. So I agree. Uh, shout out to you on um coming up with that. All right, from here on out, I want to do two things with you. Is that cool? Hell yeah, man. All right. The first is I'll rattle off a couple of metaverse-related things, and you have to tell me the first thing that pops into your head. All right? Oh, God. Yes. I like this. I'm just afraid of what's going to pop in my head. Okay. <laughs> all right and um no, no filter you said it and now i'm, yeah, I'm holding to that you know like you 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 champion jim for having no filter yep. you know so hey i'm holding to that too and also uh take a deep breath do what you gotta I do did. Stretch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right <clears throat> okay all right three two one favorite crypto artist oh dude I don't know why Hackatow pops into my head. I don't even own any Hackatow, but I feel like that's like the name that should have popped into my head or something. Uh, no, too many, too many words. Rizzle, just Hackatow. Boom. All right. Hackatow. Boom. All right. No filter. Okay. Right. Favorite NFT platform. Super rare. Favorite presenter at the whip of all time. Me. Favorite food while listening to live events. Snacks. <laughs> That's the first thing that popped in my head because Sandy's always talking about snacks. Uh, d- dude, I don't, I don't eat during live events. I can't. I, I need to get too many it. words. Too many words. Too many words. You said it. Favorite wearable. Butterfly wings. Mm. CV, DCL, Somnium, Sandbox, or Hubs. CV. Favorite crypto project. Art blocks. Favorite person in the metaverse? Sandy. Most shocking moment ever in the metaverse? Rhyolite passing. Mm, RIP to Rhyolite. Okay. Now, <laughs> take a, you can exhale. You can, you can um, relax and chill. Uh, and, it's uh, hard, man. I, my default answer... I. I <laughs> would normally be i'm programmed well by jim man i i would normally just rattle off me our projects me me our <laughs> so i'm trying i'm trying to keep it real no shill speaking of keeping it real and no shill um this is how we're gonna tie this whole thing off right yeah this is the second part of what i want to do all right i want you right no filter right keeping it real no shill Give us 
a hot take or opinion on where you see the crypto space slash NFT land slash the metaverse going in the next five years? Oh, shit. I like this question, man. I, I don't like it, dude. I don't. I do not like all these fucking celebrities and rich people trying to glom onto our shit. Uh, I feel like, you know, I've, I've actually given this a lot of thought, man. I feel very protective. I, I just said this uh, earlier this week, man. I feel unnecessarily protective of the NFT space. I feel like the nucleus of people who have been in this space for a long time now, it's been like the same group of people. I mean, it, you know, with, with some additions and everything, but by and large, like the people who were here a year ago when nobody gave a shit about NFTs are still here and have done like all the hard work, man. And I'm, I'm really like, ah, it, it really aggravates me to see like all these like celebrities and, you know, people come in and, and it's, it's, it's not really their fault. It's, and I probably shouldn't hold it against them, but I feel like they're basically just like, you know, piggybacking off of all of our hard work to like, had their bottom dollars and i'm like this this is like so anti what this space has like historically been a, about before it was like you know less mainstream and everything i'm like this this was about like you know not getting mcdonald's and you know not just like padding the the wallets of you know people who are already doing just fine and you know putting things in places so we can sort of level the playing field and everything and I have a lot of like apprehension about like, you know, big business, big media coming into this space and really trying to like Facebook the shit out of it and, you know, just co-opt it in their own way. And, you know, I, I guess in my head, I always felt like we had more time, right? Like, you know, obviously the blockchain is the blockchain, decentralization is decentralization. And that's like, not necessarily well it's not going anywhere and it it can't to like a large extent so that like does give me some hope uh but that doesn't mean like it can't get just totally fucking buried in everything else and i guess i thought we had more lead time in the space in general like i thought we had like another year or so before we really got like discovered by big media big corporations big business and everything and as it turns out you know it's happening like literally right this second uh, and so I don't know, man, I have a lot of like apprehension about the space in, in my head, I would like to see it like continue on the trajectory that I feel like the, uh, all the movers and shakers have, you know, who have been in this space have been trying to push it towards, which is, you know, inoperable, interop interoperability, decentralization, uh, you know, that, you know, the, the ready player one, but with NFTs, uh, you know, type of metaverse where, uh, you know, sort of everybody has a chance to make a name for themselves and pave their way. I don't think Ready Player One is the greatest example for that, but uh, you know what I'm saying. And Snowcraft, so, yeah. yes. Um, so I don't know, man. I I fear it's not going down that path. Uh, I think in general we're gonna see like a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, the the innovation in itself that's taking place is insane. Uh, I mean, can you imagine like what the Met Olympics will look like five years from now? I mean, it's not gonna be like some wacky like, oops, I just sent everyone backwards NBD type of thing. It's gonna be fucking probably like really competitive in VR with like high stakes on the line, and uh, you know. And I, I think that's the way like the whole space is 
going to be progressing very rapidly. I think it's going to get very competitive, very quick. And I just really don't want to see the people who have put in all the hard work to make the space possible for that to happen, get like snuffed out by like, you know, big business or some shit. Boom. How's that? Boom. Give me a boom. <laughs> boom. 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 There you have it, y'all. So, Rizzle, I am relinquishing my control over the Token Smart podcast. I'm giving up the keys to the ship back to you. Trizlet and Sandy have been released from, <laughs> from their prison in, in CV. Um, everything is good to go, my friend. Um, hey, everyone, to everyone listening, thank you so much for taking the time to get to know Rizzle a whole lot better. And if you ever see him around, please say what's up. He's always approachable. And um, yeah, thank you. Yo, thank you, man. This is great. Really appreciate it. You taking the time out of your day uh, to give me the opportunity to sort of run my mouth about stuff and have a good time. So thank you, man. Always a pleasure uh, doing anything with you. So we'll we'll see you shortly. I'm soon. Or, <laughs> like what? See you soon. Wait, we'll see you <laughs> shortly. I'm sure. Show, show. Boom. Have I been summoned? Boom. Boom. <laughs> Later, bro. Yeah, I'll see you, man.